Did you just catch that? You're going to think you're at peace. False. We are at war. When everyone is saying peace and safety, destruction will come upon them suddenly. Is that what not Jesus said? Yeah. You see, guys, crisis, six weeks. Can you, I mean, go back six, eight weeks from now. Could you believe what could happen in six weeks? I'll bet none of you could have believed that we could have gotten to where we are today in just six weeks of crisis. And what they do, they're going to promise you everything. Everything's okay, right? Let me tell you something, folks. Everything is not okay. It is not okay at all. And our, we have so many people out there in the world. Well, who are we trying to find our trust in? The government. The government's going to provide money for you, right? The government's going to pay for your health insurance. The government's going to make sure that you get this uh, COVID-19 you know, stimulus money. The government's going to send you another stimulus check. You say everything's okay. I got news for you, guys. If you're going to look for your, to the government for protection, you're in trouble. I think we need to go back to Joel and remember who's fighting for us, not the government. Okay? God is the one who's going to be fighting for us. But this is exactly where we're at. Now, again, that was the 1970s. But I think that we are living this out because there have been those within our country who have slept, uh, crept in, just like in the church. They have crept into the church as well. And I'm going to kind of transition to that a little bit here. On this next slide, I want you to see this Revelation 6.3 one more time. Notice that this fiery red horse takes peace from the earth that people should kill one another. Giving him a great sword. It's interesting to me all these riots that are going on, the hatred that's going on in our country today. And over what? Black Lives Matter? What's so wrong with Black Lives Matter? Isn't that such a great thing? I mean, Black Lives do matter, don't they? All lives. Oh, well, not really, as you're about to see here shortly. But before we do, let me show you here. Um, this next slide, I want to show you John Stormer again, the guy that was fighting communism in the 1960s. He said, communism is a disease of the intellect. It promises universal brotherhood, peace, and prosperity to lure humanitarians and idealists into participating into a conspiracy which gains power through deceit and deception and stays in power with brute force. Communism promises utopia. If that's not what we're living in right now, I don't know what is. We are being promised a utopia, but let me tell you something. It is a deceptive as its name. Next slide goes on, and he says this. It has delivered mass starvation. This is what you're really going to get, not utopia. It has delivered mass starvation, poverty, and police state terror of its own people and promoted worldwide strife and hatred by pitting race against race class against class, and religion against religion. Sound like America to you at all by any chance? You know, promising free college, free phones. All you got to do is tell people what they want to hear. Let's just redistribute the wealth, right? The problem is this is the antithesis of what the Bible says. The very opposite Communism takes from the rich and it goes to the state. This is called robbery, not redistribution of wealth. Okay, they're not concerned about the poor. God is, but believe me, the government is not. 
The biblical model is going to put the interests of the people. A biblical model shows that people give willingly, not out of force. They give out of the heart. Now, I'm not going to make this all about communism outside of, like I said, communism is not so much political as it is religious. It is religious because it is of the devil. To strip society of morality, to strip it of godliness, that's the goal. And that, is it an accident, by the way, if you saw there before that communism is often pictured as what? A red horse. Do you see all those flags? I, I kind of forgot to talk about it when it was up there. But a red horse, is that an accident? Maybe. I don't know. But I can tell you this, that what the red horse brings is exactly what communism is going to bring to this country. To the world. We can see that happening. I'm going to go to this next slide, and I want to give you a quote of Cicero, a philosopher. don't normally quote these kind of guys, but listen to what he says. A nation can survive its fools and even the ambitious, but it cannot survive treason from within. An enemy at the gates is less formidable, for he is known and carries his banner openly, but a traitor moves among those within the gate freely, his sly whispers rustling through all the alleys, heard in the very halls of government itself. And he goes on, and he says, For the traitor appears not a traitor. He speaks in accents familiar to his victims, and he wears their face and their arguments. He appeals to the baseness that lies deep in the hearts of all men. He rots the soul of a nation. He works secretly and unknown in the night to undermine the pillars of the city. He infects the body politics so that it can no longer resist. A murderer is less to fear. The traitor is the plague. Basically, ideological subversion. So I'm going to take and switch gears here a little bit to talk about this Black Lives Matter. Watch this next clip here. This is uh, um, uh, Patrice... Colors, one of the founders of BLM. Go ahead. It might. Um, I think of a lot of things. The first thing I think is that we actually do have an ideological frame. Uh, myself and Alicia in particular are trained organizers. Um, we uh, are trained Marxists. Um, we are uh, super uh, versed um, on sort of ideological theories and I think that what we really try to do is build a movement that could be utilized by many many black people. Um, I also think that it might um, I think of a lot of things the first thing I think is that we actually do have an ideological frame um, myself and Alicia in particular are trained organizers um, so what is she a trained Marxist, co-founder of BLM, right? Now, I, I, I think that should say all it is, but Black Lives Matter, as I said, it sounds nice, because do, do I think Black Lives Matter? Absolutely I do. I think black, all lives matter is what I believe, okay? But is that what they believe? Not 
at all. You know, Lenin said that he wanted to unite with Muslims as long as they were going against the ruling middle class. She also wants blacks and Muslims to unite. Isn't it interesting? By the way, that's part of what communism is, is you go after the middle class. Who is most hit by this COVID? Is it the poor, the rich, or the middle class? The middle class. It's not an accident that this is going on. Okay, um, this next slide shows you here um, Town Hall by Ryan Bomberger. He says this, Truth matters. As a Christian, the church should be leading on these issues instead of sheepishly following a deceptive movement hostile to the gospel. I could not agree more because you see the gospel is the only cure for racism. Not Black Lives Matter. Black Lives Matter is promoting racism. That's the truth, church. And yet, do you know that right now, I have seen even so many local churches, pastors that are standing up for the social justice and Black Lives Matter, you know, praising them, kneeling down with them. Guys, let me tell you something. This is anti-gospel, anti-Jesus Christ. You can't get more anti-Jesus Christ than Black Lives Matter. Because... It's deceptive. The name sounds nice. I'm not racist. I love black people. I love brown people. I love white people. I love all colors of people because that's what Jesus does. But that's not what Black Lives Matter do. They promote uh, gay, lesbian. They promote abortion. Okay. As a matter of fact, it isn't an accident, do you think, that 80% of Planned Parenthoods are within walking distance of low-income black housing. No, it's not an accident. Go do your research. Planned Parenthood was started to get rid of black people. Go look it up. You just do your research. It doesn't take much. Margaret Sanger. You see, that was the whole point, is it's racism. And yet these people who are saying that we care about black lives are supporting abortion and Planned Parenthood and all of these ungodly things. Why? Because they're trained, trained Marxists. They want to defund the police, but oh, that's not enough. OAC says, no, no, we need to, to destroy it. This is what communism needs, and this is where our country is headed. Let me show you this next video here. This is Hamas, a terrorist group. Go ahead and see what they say. That you are powerful. You can, in 2016, you can change the reality of our time. Your vote, your negotiating power in the year 2016. Turn your centers, Islamic centers, mosques, into registration centers for voters. Black Lives Matter is our matter. Black Lives Matter is our campaign. Basically, you are the new black people of America. If we don't stand, you will see Muslims murdered in the streets. We are the community that staged a revolution across the world. If we could do that, why can't we have that revolution in America? Hamas, a terrorist group, says what? Black Lives Matter is our matter. 
That alone ought to tell you that there is deception going on in this country and that we as Christians should not be standing up to support this kind of thing. That alone. Notice as well she says that basically we are the blacks. Isn't it interesting that we have Hispanics claiming to be black? We have Muslims claiming to be black. You know why? Because it has nothing to do with skin color. Nothing to do with the color of our skin. As has been said, this is not a skin problem. This is a sin problem that we have going on here right now. Let me show you this headline here. Um, basically showing you that uh, Islamic Palestinians group are allying with BLM. Uh, Palestinians rage riots planned across the U.S. allying with George Floyd protests. That's, that's the headline. I, I think just to save time, that's as far as I'll go with it. Next uh, slide, we have another headline here. Minnesota State Representative Antifa and Muslim groups plan to police Minneapolis under Muslim rule. In the article, it would have sounded far-fetched just weeks ago. It doesn't anymore. Minnesota State Representative Steve Green on Tuesday stated the obvious that virtually everyone else has been tiptoeing around and pretending isn't there. What you're looking at, in my humble opinion, is communism moving into Minneapolis and St. Paul. It's just amazing. We can go on. This next slide here, I want to show you from American Thinker. It says, white does not mean white. White in radical parlance means anyone of any race, creed, nationality, color, sex, or sexual preference who embraces capitalism. Okay? So notice it really isn't about the color of your skin. It's about what you believe. Who embraces capitalism, free markets, limited government, and American traditional culture and values. This philosophical concept belongs to Noel Ignatiev, who basically just recently died, who is the ideological founder father of numerous radical black mo uh, movements, is what that's supposed to say, in America. Research into the work of this former Harvard professor, hmm, Harvard, surprise, finally answered the question of why BLM proponents are so negative about the perf perfectly ra rational slogan, perfectly rational slogan is what it's supposed to say, I think, all lives matter. You said it before. All lives matter. No, they don't. They are offended when we say all lives matter. Because this has nothing to do with the color of our skin. It has everything to do with our belief system and what you stand for. Do you stand for Christian values? Do you stand on the word of God? Then you're the enemy. Your white privilege. This goes on on this next slide. It says, the fact is that black, in the interpretation of Ignatiev, is a revolutionary Marxist. See, if you're a Marxist and you're white, you're considered black. He says, all those who do not agree with the left ideology should, according to Ignatiev, be eliminated. According to Ignatiev, black is not the level of pigment in the skin, but the level of adherence to the Marxist doctrine. It was he, a convinced, uncompromising, and resolute communist, who in 1967 proposed the doctrine of white privilege. This isn't something we're just hearing now. But I hear pastors going on Facebook and promoting white privilege, apologizing for their white privilege. 
It has nothing to do with me loving my fellow man. It has everything to do with a Marxist philosophy and ideology. You ever wonder where white privilege came from? It comes from Marxism. Isn't it a surprise then that we see Patrice saying we're all trained Marxists? Is this the red horse? This next slide, let me show you Tucker Carlson. Welcome back to our Democratic Debate Special. Before she became a United States Senator, Elizabeth Warren was a professor at Harvard Law School. Very impressive. She was the first tenured professor of color, you'll remember, at Harvard Law School. So she's a researcher. She's got an academic mind. It's not surprising she's been able to discover countless new forms of racism permeating American life, kinds you've never heard of before. She listed them last night during the debate. Listen. We need to call out white supremacy for what it is, domestic terrorism, and it poses a threat to the United States of America. We live in a country now where the president is advancing environmental racism, economic racism, criminal justice racism, health care racism. Well, she's a lot of fun. Uh, the question is, what is she talking about? What is health care racism, for example? What is environmental racism? The battle is being fought one family, one physician, one health center. That's why we're doing as well as we are. We're talking about the minority and strategies mm. against the minority. So I have the solution. Every study published in the last five years, when you look at vaccine refusers, I'm not talking about, well, hesitants, most of them we can talk into coming to terms, but refusers. We'll just get rid of all the whites in the United States because Houston is the most diverse city in the entire United States. There's seven Asian languages spoken in that city. I've been a minority for more than 20 years in the city of Houston. The, the majority is we call Hispanic. That is not a race or an ethnicity. That is a political designation, but a lot of them are from Central, South America, Mexico. Guess who wants to get vaccinated the most? Immigrants. Part that's of what, it. That's what made Donald Trump's uh, comments <laughs> about bringing diseases <laughs> so funny. They're right. at risk when they come here. Immigrants. They have better vaccination it, rates in Mexico. It is the well-educated, <laughs> in terms of pieces of paper that they put on their wall, um, people that have been here a long time, and it's very unfortunate. And, but I think we need not lose the big picture. See, Hispanics, that is not a race. That is a political designation. You see, all of these things by themselves, it's like, what did she say? What? Okay, whatever. But no, you see, this is all coming together because there's a consistency here. A consistency of possibly the red horse. One more here for, well, maybe two here. Go ahead and play Fox News here again. You may remember that Governor O'Malley got booed when he actually said that all lives matter, and then later he ended up apologizing. Watch this. Every life matters, and that is why this issue is so important. Black lives matter, white lives matter, all lives matter. Out of the candidates who answered that question, only former Virginia Senator Jim Webb said that all lives matter. Joining us now with Reaction, Milwaukee County Sheriff David Clark, CRN KRLA radio host Larry Elder, and Fox News political analyst Juan Williams. 
I, I, Sheriff, I'm having a hard time with this. Um, white lives matter, <laughs> black lives matter, Asian lives matter, Hispanic lives matter, blue lives matter. What, what is so controversial about saying all lives but, matter? And what does it say when somebody won't say that? <laughs> Sean, it was a pathetic display. It was plantation politics in its finest hour, the continued enslavement of black people emotionally by the Democrat Party with this destructive liberal ideology. And they know it. They're whoring for votes. They know that's what they're doing. The liberal ideology has been very destructive for the black community for the last 50 or 60 years. Ge poverty is now generational. It's a lifestyle. The unemployment is obscene. They have to send their kids to failing public schools, drug and alcohol addiction, neighborhoods that are crumbling, all under Democrat control. They need to get off their knees and stop this stuff and take a real message to the American people, and especially the black community, that what they have done, they deserve an apology for from the Democrat Party. Now, remember Minneapolis, the Black Lives Matter movement, were chanting pigs in a blanket, Fry them like bacon. Remember this. Pigs in a blanket! Fry them like bacon! Pigs in a blanket! See, All Lives Matter is the gospel. That's the gospel. That God cares for us. Okay, go ahead, and I'm going to start wrapping up with this video here. Um, watch what she says. Well, you know what? Maybe, yeah, go ahead and play it. Brothers and sisters, I want you to know that Black Lives Matter began in Ferguson and it did not just make a moment in the history of civil rights, it created a movement. Without a movement, it all becomes so temporary and a month later, it goes out of style, it's forgotten until we see a man in New York saying, I can't breathe, I can't breathe. And moments later, he's dead. And then we see Freddie Gray, who was able to walk and talk and even run. All of a sudden, he's dead. His spine is completely broken. But no one, no one has a reasonable excuse as to why so many black, young black males have been killed, murdered in the past year or the past two years. So I was supposed to talk about how all this relates to Martin Luther King's dream. I'm going to ask you, personally, I would like for you to forget Martin's dream and not descend on, into your own. Movements are not built on dreams. What we need is a conscious young and old advocates. You see, they want you to forget about Martin Luther's dream. Why? Because Martin Luther King Jr. was a godly man. And he spoke about God. He spoke about the gospel. And he spoke about how God loves all people. And so we've come here today to dramatize the shameful condition. In a sense, we've come to our nation's capital to cash a check. 
when the architects of our republic wrote the magnificent words of the Constitution and the Declaration of Independence. They were signing a promissory note to which every American was to fall heir. This note was a promise that all men, yes, black men as well as white men, would be guaranteed the unalienable rights of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Now is the time to make real the promises of democracy. Now is the time to rise from the dark and desolate valley of segregation to the sunlit path of racial justice. Now is the time to lift our nation from the quicksands of racial injustice to the solid rock of brotherhood. Now is the time to make justice a reality for all of God's children. In the process of gaining our rightful place, we must not be guilty of wrongful deeds. Let us not seek to satisfy our thirst for freedom by drinking from the cup of bitterness and hatred. We must forever conduct our struggle on the high plane of dignity and discipline. We must not allow our creative protests to degenerate into physical violence. Again and again, we must rise to the majestic heights of meeting physical force with soul force. And the marvelous new militancy which has engulfed the Negro community must not lead us to a distrust of all white people. For many of our white brothers, as evidenced by their presence here today, have come to realize that their destiny is tied up with our destiny. I say to you today, my friend, <laughs> so even though we face the difficulties of today and tomorrow, I still have a dream. It is a dream deeply rooted in the American dream. I have a dream that one day this nation will rise up and live out the true meaning of its creed. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal. I have a dream that one day on the red hills of Georgia, the sons of former slaves and the sons of former slave owners will be able to sit down together at the table of brotherhood. I have a dream that one day even the state of Mississippi, a state sweltering with the heat of injustice, sweltering with the heat of oppression will be transformed into an oasis of freedom and justice. I have a dream. 
my poor little children will one day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. I have a dream today. Listen to how he refers to his creator. Listen to how he refers to God. Listen to how it is a gospel-centered message. One that agrees with scripture. One that agrees with what, you know, Black Lives Matter should mean. Guys, Joel 3.1. Again, in those days at that time when I restore the fortunes of Judah and Jerusalem, I will gather all nations and bring them down to the valley of Jehoshaphat. There I will put them on trial for what they did to my inheritance, my people, Israel, because they scattered my people among the nations and divided up my land. They cast lots for my people, traded boys and prostitutes. They sold girls for wine to drink. Guys, this is way more political type message than I like to give, but I want to bring this home for you to understand something. Again, as I said before, this isn't politics we're dealing with. This is a spiritual battle. This is, I believe, what Revelation may be talking about here. That we are being attacked and we just keep thinking, oh, it's political. And maybe the next president who comes in, he'll solve the problem. I got news for you, he can't solve the problem. Because this is a spiritual battle. And we need to stop fighting politically. I'm not saying you don't vote. What I'm saying is having your hope in the politics. You need to stop in having your hope in these arguments with these people because you're not arguing the same points. I hear Christians all the time, all lives matter. All, that's not the point. No wonder you're not getting anywhere with them because you're talking two different things. You know what you need to be telling them? Rather than all lives matter, you need to be giving them the gospel of Jesus Christ. You need to be telling them that, you know what, this is what the law of God says. Have you ever, have you ever told a lie? Then you are a liar. And you know what God says is going to happen to liars, right? They will go to the pits of hell. And you see, this is why we need Jesus, because I'm a liar too. I broke the commandments of God, but Jesus Christ came. He came down to this earth, and he died on the cross so that when I fail, my sins have been wiped out. They have been forgiven, and I have hope in a future because of Jesus and Jesus alone. The church has become so busy fighting politics and logic and reason that we have forgotten to take our sword and go fight the sword of truth, the sword of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And instead, we're so busy churches, like I said, standing up and kneeling down with Black Lives Matter, and they don't even have a clue what it means. Instead, they should be preaching Jesus Christ. And not just Jesus Christ, but repentance that leads to salvation. Guys, my heart is heavy right now for our society, and that's why I had to present some politic-type things here today, because we need to stop. We need to get down on our knees, because I'm telling you, there are some things coming upon this country that I think very likely could be those horses. And if that's the case, it's only about to get worse. And if you think you're going to fight this with the politics you're wrong. There's one way that you're going to fight this, and this is going to be down on your knees. 
This is going to be with a humble spirit. This is going to be with a broken heart. This is going to be with repentance and crying out to the one who can and does save. The miracle worker, the way maker, the promise keeper. He's the way out. But guys, I just want to go to every person in the church and shake you and say, wake up! This is not a time for us to be lazy. This is not a time for us to be arguing. This is a time for us to pray, repent, fast. You know, for the last month and a half, I've been screaming about this stuff, and we've got a Bible study every week in our home, and I, I said, we need to be praying, we need to be fasting, we need to be doing these things. And three weeks go by, and I say, let me just ask you, how many of you have fasted this week? Outside of my family, one person. Out of, I don't know, 25 people there. I don't know how to shake you anymore. I don't know how to wake you up. Last week, I talked about possibly the white horse. This week, I'm talking possibly about the red horse, a communistic Marxist ideology that is satanic, that is against moral values. It is against everything biblical. And we're living in it right now, and yet the church still thinks, well, I'd rather go home and watch TV tonight. I'd rather... Go spend my free time outside doing whatever I can, maybe weed in the garden. I'm not saying you can't weed the garden, but you know what I'm saying is, guys, if we don't wake up, we are in trouble. I don't know how to shake you any harder. Outside of beg and plead that we need to come together, we need to unite, and we need to be calling out to the only one who does save, who will stand up for us. I'm going to read for you Psalm 94 here. This came to me just before I was got on here today, and, and I was looking it up to... I just want to read Psalm 94. It says this, The Lord is a God who avenges. See, this isn't our fight. Leave room for God's wrath. It is His to avenge. Okay, we just go love our enemies. The Lord is a God who avenges. A God who avenges, shine forth, rise up, judge of the earth. Pay back to the proud what they deserve. How long, Lord, will the wicked, how long will the wicked be jubilant? And boy, let me tell you, they are right now. They are celebrating. They pour out arrogant words. All the evildoers are full of boasting. They crush your people, Lord. They oppress your inheritance. They slay the widow and the foreigner. They murder the fatherless. They say the Lord does not see. You know what? I think there's a lot of Christians out there who say that same thing. The Lord's just not watching it. We've got to fight this battle. I'm telling you something, the Lord is watching. The Lord knows everything that's going on. And while it looks out of control, it's not. He is in control. One of my Bible studies here recently, I, I was talking about this. Guys, do you remember when Babylon was coming to take over and conquer Jerusalem? Jeremiah went to the people and he said, listen, they're coming. You need to surrender to them because this is of God. Now, you couldn't have a more unpatriotic message 
than what Jeremiah gave them. Because he was saying, you're going to have to give up your freedom. You're going to have to give up your wealth, your money, your free time, all of it. Because you're going to be taken captive. And you know why God allowed that to happen? Because he loved his people. Because his people, he had been trying to shake them for so long and they refused to be woke up. And so he says, all right, I love you. And so I'm going to let you be taken captive so that all of these idols that you have built up in your life are going to come down so that you will look to me and I can work. Guys, I'm telling you, if you don't wake up, God's going to allow this country to fall and we deserve it. That may sound unpatriotic, but I've got to be honest, I'm tired of hearing God bless America. We don't deserve it. Unless the church is going to, you know, unless my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, repent, unless we start relying on and praying to and praising the God of all creation, the God who has given us these blessings, they will be taken away because he loves us and because it's what we need. It goes on. He says, they say the Lord does not see. The God of Jacob takes no notice. Take notice, you senseless ones among the people. You fools, when will you become wise? Does he who fashioned the ear not hear? Does he who formed the eye not see? Does he who disciplines, does he who disciplines nations not punish? Does he who teaches mankind lack knowledge? The Lord knows all human plans. He knows that they are futile. Like I said, God's the one that's in control. Blessed is the one you discipline, Lord. The one you teach from your law, you grant them relief from days of trouble. Till a pit is dug for the wicked, for the Lord will not reject his people. He will never forsake his inheritance. That's what Joel was saying, isn't it? Judgment will again be founded on righteousness, and all the upright in heart will follow it. Who will arise up for me against the wicked? Who will take a stand for me against evildoers? Unless the Lord God had given me help, I would soon have dwelt in the silence of death. When I said my foot is slipping, your unfailing love, Lord, supported me. When anxiety was great within me, your consolation brought me joy. That's what we need. I'm going to call Steve up here because he's going to share, I think, one way that you can fight. Ezekiel, I think, 22:30 says something. It says this. It says, I looked for a man who would stand before me in the gap on behalf of the land, but I found none. Is God going to look to this church looking for someone who will stand up and build up the wall you know, before God, stand up before him? Is he going to find somebody? Steve is going to give you an opportunity here to stand up. So I'm going to close in prayer and let him take it from there. Heavenly Father, we know that you are a faithful God, a promise keeper. And so, Lord, we don't leave here discouraged. We don't leave here uh, defeated. We leave 
standing firm on your promises, we leave with joy and comfort knowing that this is your battle. We leave knowing that you are a God of creation and therefore you are a God who has power, omnipotent power, to, to, to save. And so, Lord, we just ask that you would move our hearts to praise you, to give you glory, to remember what we have been delivered from, to remember that cross that you so loved us that you gave your very life so that we will respond to that amazing gift of grace and mercy and that we will trust you all the more and praise you all the more. In Yeshua, the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.